All right, welcome back to Full Court Press. I'm your host, Liam Griffin. You know, Aiden, you're fighting Bills. They're all of a sudden in the thick of things with the Mets implosion. Bryce Harper just hit one of the wonkiest Little League home runs you'll ever see. How far do you think they can go? Uh, they're a playoff team. That's all I care about right now. All right, all right. Well, Philadelphia is one of several teams we will discuss today. All right, boys and girls, back with me today is the Philly Fanatic, with one Seahawks-sized exception, Mr. Aiden Levine. On today's episode, we've got contenders, we've got some pretenders, and a lot of each. We will be breaking down 10 Major League Baseball teams and discussing whether or not they have a legitimate chance to win the World Series. And we begin today in the American League East with the sizzling Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto has had Vladdy Jr. and Bo Bichette mashing for them all season, but the Jays are 27-18 and 18 since George Springer returned to the lineup on June 22nd. The acquisitions of Jose Barrios and Brad Hand have been paying dividends as well. Airing play on Saturday, Toronto, they're 62-53, fourth place in the AL East, and four games back of Boston for the second wild card. So, Aiden, do you think the Blue Jays can keep this hot streak going, propel themselves all the way to a playoff berth and beyond? You know, I really like this team right now, and it's not just because of their roster. I like it because of their schedule, right? And looking into it, their schedule is really light for the rest of August and much lighter for the most part of September, right? You have, ending off the month of August, you're playing these teams like the Nationals, you're playing the Tigers, the White Sox, uh, and the Tigers again and the Orioles, right? They, these are easily series that the Blue Jays can sweep, win two out of three, uh, three out of four, um, but I find that their schedule is just really on their side for these next month and a half-ish, um, and that's why I think that they can boost themselves definitely up from the four. Um, I think it's hard in their division. They're, the division's pretty good, right? You have a 71-win Rays team. You have a 68-win Red Sox team, right? Shout out your Red Sox. We get it. Um, so it's going to be hard to try and boost themselves up. They're eight and a half games back from the Rays, right? But, you know, I see them coming in really close in this American League to a playoff berth, uh, especially with the schedule. All right, so they've got two more against Seattle coming up this weekend. We're recording this at 8.40 Eastern Saturday night, so they're going to play the Mariners again in a little while. Then you've got two in Washington. They stink. They just dumped their whole team. Three with Detroit in Toronto. Detroit is a better team than most casual fans give them credit for, but that's still a series you should win. Then you've got right. four with the White Sox. Chicago's the best team in the American League. That's going to be tough. Then you've got three more in Detroit. But here's the kicker. in the From August 30th until the end of the season, the Blue Jays have 10 games. 10 games against the Baltimore Orioles, including six of them in Toronto. And you look at some of the other teams, they've got, four game, they've got seven games against the Minnesota Twins, seven games against the Yankees, six games against the Rays, three games against Oakland. So other than the Baltimores and Minnesotas of the world, they're playing these games against teams fighting to be in positioning. So when you look at it, their fate is in their own hands. And that's just the truth of the matter. And looking at this roster as a whole, they undisputedly have the best offense in baseball. And that's only been lifted since the acquisition of Springer. I mean, Vladdy Jr. would be the clearing away MVP if it weren't for Shohei Otani mashing in the City of Angels. I mean, Bichette is one of the best young shortstops 
in baseball. Semyon has been huge for them. He's having a career year. Teoscar Hernandez started the All-Star game in right field as my dog continues to bark in the background. And, yeah, that offense is terrifying. It's the best offense in baseball. Now that they have the pitchers to complement it, I'd be shocked if this team doesn't make a late-season push for a playoff for them. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, Liam, your Boston Red Sox are coming off a rough patch. However, Chris Sale has finally returned. He made a season debut today against the Orioles. And, you know, he looked he looked pretty good. You know, yeah. um, Boston has a it's a sixty eight fifty one and clinging on to a playoff spot at the moment. Do you think they'll keep it? All right. So Chris Sale, five innings, two earned, eight punch outs today, and got the win. You can say what you want about the Baltimore Orioles, but at the end of the day, a star like that coming off of Tommy John surgery is excellent. So let's take a look at the Red Sox upcoming schedule. So they've got one more with Baltimore on Sunday. Then they go to the Bronx for three against a team they're 10-3 against. Then Texas, Minnesota at Cleveland. Then you got four in Tampa. That's going to be tough. Three more against Cleveland and three more against Tampa at Chicago, at Seattle. Six games with the Baltimore Orioles as well. Two with the fraudulent New York Mets and three with the terrible Washington Nationals. So when you look at it, this is the fifth easiest schedule left in Major League Baseball. And they're getting their guys back at a good time. Schwarber got off the IL yesterday. Sale had a good first start back today. And then you add in guys like Christian Arroyo and Ryan Brazier coming off the IL to complement the JDs, the Xanders, the Devers, the Eovaldis. I know Matt Barnes is having a rough patch right now, but we'll include him as, as well. So I like their odds, but they have to keep this momentum from this Baltimore series going forward into the Bronx. That is all of a sudden a gigantic series in the Bronx. I know we're 10-3 against them this year, but this Yankee team has a newfound swagger as of late. But I like the odds. I like the odds. I really do. Yeah, I mean, your team is coming back with these healthy players at the exact right time that they should be in order to make a deep run for like to keep this playoff spot, right? You're getting all these guys back from IL that are really important to this ball club. And you're you're playing, like, I'm looking at this schedule on my phone as we speak, and your schedule's not terrible, right? No. You have, like we were, like you were just saying, I mean, six games, another six games against the Orioles um, after this series is over, you end, the most important part is going to be those three games versus the Nationals um, at the end of the season, just because it's you and the Yankees are going to be going at it for the spots, right? Um, so you got to finish off strong, which I think you will, especially against the Nationals. Um, you know, your schedule's looking good. Your players are coming back from IL at the exact right time in the schedule uh, to make this a playoff team. Well, I thing, their fate is in their own hands. I mean, they've got seven left with Tampa and six left with the Yankees, the other two top three teams in the American League East. Tampa has a four-and-a-half game lead on us at right. the time of recording, and New York, I believe they're tied with the Chicago White Sox right now. It was 3-3 three to three in the bottom of the third half an hour ago. We haven't gotten any new score updates yet, but yeah, this team, they got to they gotta keep this momentum going. I mean, they're, they're playing the Orioles at a perfect time. They were slumping. They had a rough series with Tampa, a rough series in Toronto, rough series in Detroit, as well. They got swept in Tampa Bay not too long ago as well. So this stretch of the schedule is coming at the perfect time. The next series with the Yankees is huge, but after that, we got Texas, Minnesota, Cleveland. Those are three winnable series. 
Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you. All right. Well, heading to the NL for a bit and talking about Aiden's Philadelphia Phillies. I know you're going to have a lot to say about them. Bryce Harper has made himself a late-season MVP candidate. In addition to him, Segura, he's been hot, and the pitching has finally gotten itself together, it seems. The acquisitions of Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy from Texas have been huge. And it has the Phils holding on to an oh-so-slim lead atop the NL East. Aiden, it goes without saying that the NL East isn't exactly as sparkling as some of the other visions, but they're 61-56. They have a half-game lead on Atlanta at the time of recording. The Braves are going to win tonight, though. They leave Washington 10-2 in the top of the eight. So they'll be tied by night's end. Can they make a postseason run? You know, I think they can. You know, Bryce Harper, like we've always been talking about with like this pod, has been timing. And Bryce Harper's coming on at the right time. Um, Gene Segura's been a great hitter right now, coming out really hot. Um, even, like, our whole team is coming out strong right now, hitting well. Torres hit a home run today. McCutcheon hit a home run today as we beat the Cincinnati Reds 6-1. to one. Um, A big win. Big win, right? And, you know, I'm a big fan. Baseball to me is always about looking at schedules, and that's why I keep bringing them up. It's really important to see what's going on in this whole scheduling, and our schedule is looking pretty decent right now. You know, we finish this series tomorrow with the Reds, and then we go to the bottom Arizona Diamondbacks for three games, which is very good for us. Padres for three games, Rays for two games. That's going to be tough. Another four games with the Diamondbacks, and then three games with the Nationals to end the month of August. You know, that's favorable. That's, that's favorable. That's, it's very favorable, right? The schedule is looking up on us. And even if you go into September, right, right after this national series, three games with the Marlins, which is already favorable, and then it gets a little rocky because we play, you know, the 70-win Brewers, which is a little rough, you know. And then Colorado Rockies after that, um, fourth in the NL West. You know, favorable. Three games with the Cubs, who don't even have a team to field at this point. Um, three games with the fraudulent New York Mets, three games with the Orioles, um, four games with the Pirates, who are fifth in the NL Central, right? And then we finish off with the Braves and the Marlins again. This schedule for us is looking really decent. Our pitchers are going to have a field day with these lineups, right? And that's how I feel, and I feel that we can outpitch these guys with this new bullpen and this uh, I love Kyle Gibson I love the acquisition very much I was at the Phillies game the other night against the Dodgers um, first game of the series that we lost they're the that we lost five nothing right but before the rain delay in the fourth inning we looked really good from a pitching standpoint Aaron Nola looked lights out pitching and you know Matt Moore was lights out today he had a no Kyle hitter he had a no hitter through six Exactly. So we're looking really good right now, and I have a very good feeling that we're going to stay atop the NL East and, make, and be a playoff team. Okay, so there's no doubt in my mind that the Philadelphia Phillies can win the National East. I mean, that division is terrible beyond compare. I mean, the tap, I mean, we've got three teams that are within a game of each other in Philadelphia, Atlanta, and, my, and then the New York Mets. Then you have Washington, who just sold away their entire team, and Miami, who whose offense has not been able to carry their young pitchers who are struggling this season. But I, I'm going to look at this holistically. Yeah, they can win the division, but can they make a deep playoff run? 
absolutely not because they're going to get whomever wins the NL East, and I'll and it'll come up later in the show. Whomever wins the NL East is going to get pounded by the Milwaukee Brewers in the NLDS. So it'll at this point, I don't see the Dodgers catching the Giants, so they'll have the top seed. Then Milwaukee gets two. Then it'll be whomever wins the NL East at three. And if it just so happens to be Philadelphia, I mean, there's no way you're going to beat a rotation. There's no way you're going to beat one of Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta three out of five times. Their pitching staff is just too good. I'll keep it classy and keep my confidence up. We'll just, we'll, we'll all right, all right. Hey, I respect that. I respect that. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep it that way. <laughs> so I'm going to go and talk about and bring up an NL East rival right now. The Atlanta Braves have been on a hot streak as of late. Ozzie Albies and Freddie Freeman have stepped up since Ronald Acuna Jr. tore his ACL. Atlanta is right in the thick of things in the wonky NL East. But Acuna is without question a huge loss. So can Atlanta make another deep playoff run like they did last year? No. No, no, no. No. So, I mean, I've had high hopes for the Braves entering the season because the acquisition of Charlie Morton to their pitching staff, I think, was severely underrated going into the season. I mean, this guy has an ERA of 349 through 134 innings. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. But then you look at some of the other guys in the rotation. Okay, Max Freed, 9-7 with a 3-7-8. But, you know, someone disappointing. Ian Anderson, who I picked to win the National League Rookie of the Year. Okay, 5-5 five five with a 3-5-6. But he's injured right now. So injuries have been tormenting the Braves this entire season. I know Ozzy Albies is en fuego right now, but at the same time, you lost the heart and soul of your team in Ronald Acuna Jr. You just did. So, I don't see them making the playoffs, and if they do somehow squeak in, it's like I said with Philadelphia, they're going to get swept by Milwaukee. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think that this team has a shot of even beating my fills, but that's besides the point. Say they do, right? None of these guys seem to be coming back from injury anytime soon. And even, like, if they do, like, say they do. Besides, anyone besides Acuna, right? Say they do. They're not 100% like they were before. And that's not going to do it against a powerhouse Brewers team. So, you know, injuries are a big thing in sports. We've always talked about that. And that's going to hold the Braves back no matter what happens in the final regular season standings. Yeah, and it's a shame, too. One of the best young teams in baseball who went down in flames after going up 3-1 in the NLCS back in Texas in October of 2020. So this is a team looking to make a World Series run, but yeah. So, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a blow-up. Oh, uh, it's too late for a blow-up, trade deadline. So you think, do you really think they'd blow it up in the offseason? That's what I'm saying. In the no off-season. way. No chance. No chance. I, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I would be. And it make quite the topic on the show. Hopes were high for the San Diego Padres entering the season with the acquisitions of Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish. Well, Darvish has paid dividends. He is a 3.70 ERA this season, but Blake Snell just hasn't been the same since Kevin Cash made the idiotic decision to pull him in the World Series. He is a 4.86. Joe Musgrove does have a 3.12, which isn't bad, though. I will give him that. And But another guy, Chris Paddock, who people were so high on after his rookie year in 19 just hasn't been able to live up to that since then he's uh as we pull up his stats and will be at the stadium law so it's been a rough couple of weeks for slam diego as well 
They missed out on Max Scherzer. He went to arch-rival LA, and Fernando Tatis remains out with a dislocated shoulder. Yikes. And like you were saying, Paddock, 7-6 with a 5-13 ERA this season. He's on the shelf right now as well. So, San Diego is has a three-game lead over Cincinnati at the moment, but there's no denying that the Reds have been, undoubtedly been the hotter team as of late. So, Aiden, do you still believe in the Friar faithful? You know, I find it hard right now um, to believe in the Friar faithful, mostly just because of morale in this case. I think morale is just not on the side of the Padres. Um, look, you Darvish is, like, they're questioning his next start. They don't know if he'll be playing with a back injury and back tightness, according to The Athletic. Um, it's uh, This report I'm reading says that Darvish did not recover from Thursday's short start as quickly as they hoped, which is not a good sign, right? Not, not a slightest. good sign. Um, he's not on IL yet, but I do believe he will go on 10-day IL. Tatis is supposed to come back, it says Sunday or Monday, from, from his dislocated shoulder. No, I'm not the- sure... They're going to stick, gonna gonna stick him in the outfield, too, it said. Yeah, they're going to stick him in the outfield, So, which is going to be rough with a dislocated shoulder trying to um, trying to throw the ball in, you know? Um, so it's going to be interesting. I just don't feel like this team has the gusto that we all thought it would right now to really make a playoff run, especially in the NL West right now uh, with a 70-win Dodgers team and a 75-win Giants team. So I don't have a lot of faith, but I do believe that they'd come back next year with a vengeance and fully healthy. Yeah, you talk about morale. I mean, not only did they lose out on Max Scherzer to the Dodgers, the Dodgers also had a Trey Turner, who may be the fastest player in the major leagues at this moment. I mean, yeah, you look at this team. They're 66-52, and 52, I believe. They're hanging on to a three-game lead over the resurgence Cincinnati Reds. By the way, sleeper for MVP in the National League, Joey Votto. Absolutely. I'll leave leave it at that. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, morale is down, 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 down for the San Diego Potters right now. I don't think you could get any lower. And, Tony, you're not going to like hearing this, but I'm not certain Fernando Tatis is going to be 100% when he comes back. He may still win MVP because, you know, he's got the – Yeah, the flair and the media, per se. I mean, MLB's Instagram account has been all over him this season, but I just don't believe in this Padres team anymore. Yeah, I don't either. You know, I find it interesting, too, that um, I feel bad. Uh, Pitcher Craig Stammen on the Padres only faced one batter um, in the ninth inning um, against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he let up a a walk-off home run. He was charged with the loss, uh, but and it was it was rough, uh, you know. So it's just more and more of a wow. You lost to the Diamondbacks. You had one batter to to give up, and you hit, you let up a walk off. It's just not looking good for the Padres. Not no, not in the slightest. And like you said, with the NL West, it won't be easy for the Friars to gain ground on the two of them. But podcasting yep. with Anchor will remain easy down the stretch, as it always has been. All right, moving on, name a better combo than the wildcard hunt and the Oakland Athletics. I'll wait. The A's played in both the 2018 and 19 wildcard games 
and lost to both to New York and Tampa, respectively. Oakland has caught a bit of a hot streak right now, though. They've had a long winning streak snap last night. They're only two and a half back of Houston in the division, who's been scuffling a little bit as of late. They just lost three or four to the Minnesota Twins. They have a half-game lead on Boston for the home wildcard slot right now. A deep playoff run has eluded Oakland for years. We thought last year was going to be their year. We thought they got a favorable matchup with Houston in the ALDS. Then their bats woke up. So can this be the year Oakland finally makes a deep run? To be fair, they seem pretty hot right now. Um, they won uh, seven in a row. Um, they beat Cleveland 17 nothing uh, on Thursday, which is absolutely ridiculous, might I add. Um, so, you know, they're looking pretty good. Like, they did just lose yesterday 8-6 to the Texas Rangers um, to break the streak. You know, I w- I'm curious to see if one loss will bring them down that much. Um in their in the morale that we were talking about before with the Padres, um, their starting second baseman is still sidelined um, with a quad injury. Um, did not play today, um, or is not playing today. Um, that game is two to one Athletics right now in the middle of the fifth, uh, as we are reporting. So it's just really interesting that they just. It's another Padres situation to me. It's just very similar. I've never seen the A's as a playoff team, like a real deal playoff team. Um, it just, you know, it just never made sense to me like that. Um, I just, in my opinion, the A's need to blow up their their front office. You know what I mean? At oh, this yeah. point, it's just enough of these wild card teams, and it's enough of just losing in the wild card to better teams. They need to blow it up if they want to win. Yeah, so like you said, Elvis Andrus, one of the the veteran shortstop, just went on paternity leave to be with the, his wife for the birth of their third child. But when I look at this Oakland A's roster, I mean, they don't really have a shiny star, per se. I mean, the acquisition of Starling Marte has made dividends, but when you look up and down the roster, I mean, you got Matt Olson, he's having a fine year for the A's. Matt Chapman is having a big down year. And then Jed Lowry, former Boston Red Sox, he's installed for them. But one of the things that isn't being talked about enough around MLB, Ramon Laureano, their starting center fielder, just got an 80-game suspension for steroids. I mean, what are you doing, Ramon? It's not the 1990s where everyone was getting away scotch-free with using steroids. What are you doing? So that's going to dampen morale entirely on Oakland, but their pitching is still good. They've got four guys with ERAs under four, Bassett, Manaya, Irvin, and Montas. So they've got the pitching staff to keep up, but I don't believe in that offense. I really don't, and that's what has me saying, no, they cannot make a deep run. Yeah, I don't think they could come anywhere close to a deep run, in my opinion. They'll lose the wild card yet again, in my opinion. If they well, make it. I wouldn't surprise me if they get taken over by Toronto. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me either, if they even make the wild card, considering they've made it the last two seasons. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. Well... The clear-cut favorite entering the season in the American League was the New York Yankees. However, at one point this season, the offense was not performing. Then it was the starting pitching. Then it was the bullpen. It seemed like they had it all figured out. Then the Field of Dreams blow-up happened. New York is 63-52, and uh, third in the NL East. Liam, unfathomable though it may be, could the Bronx Bombers have any sort of resurgence? Well, first of all, before I answer that question, major kudos to MLB for that Field of Dreams game. That was... 
about as so about as successful as you can have. Most watched regular season game in 16 years, and the way it ended with the Yankees pulling off an unfathomable rally, only to blow it in the bottom of the ninth inning, was quite remarkable to see. But now let's get into this question. I mean, the acquisitions of Judd, of Gallon Stanton of or not Gallon Stanton, Gallon Rizzo have helped out for the Yankees, but I mean. Rizzo just went on the COVID IL, and it's not like Joey Gallo has been spectacular for the Yankees. I mean, we're about two weeks into his trade deadline stint. He's 8 for 52 with two home runs. Entering, coming in, he had hit 25 bombs on the season. He's only hit two since then. I mean, you got to pick up the pace. You know, what I'm, you know what I mean? I mean, this is the Bronx Bombers you're talking about. you got the short porch in right field. He's only taking advantage of it once. So, I don't think that... Their offense is nearly good enough to win a World Series. As for getting the playoffs, I mean, yeah, Jameson Tyone has really, really, really picked it up as of late. I mean, he was a laughing stock at the start of the season, let's be frank. But some of the other guys in that rotation I just don't believe in. We still don't know what Severino is going to look like when he comes back from injury. Montgomery and Cole just had COVID. Who knows how that's going to affect him going forward. Garrett Cole hasn't exactly been Mr. Reliable anyway since MLB said stop using sticky stuff. So... This may be the bias to me, but I don't see the team making a run. You know, I don't either. Because, you know, I've been looking at these these just stats in general, right? Mostly hitting stats. And this offense is just not performing. Um, you know, I'm looking at um, guys who we would consider, ba- like, hitters, I guess. Giancarlo Stanton is, is 18 home runs and 56 RBIs. He's, he's averaging 259. Like that's good, right? But you don't hear much about it. He's not like it's it's all right. You it's know? not it's, it's not, not twenty sixteen John Carlos Stanton when he was hitting sixty homers in a season. Exactly, your the first ba- baseman Luke Voigt, right? Four home runs, fifteen RBIs, and averaging two twenty seven. Well, Voigt Voigt's been hurt for a while, but he's been replaced True. by Rizzo, who had a good start to his Yankee career. But who knows what's going to happen now that he has been shelved with COVID. Right. So, who knows? Exactly. Um, I'm just looking at this. DJ LeMayhew. Bring up a semi-big name, you know. Um, seven home runs, 47 RBIs, and averaging 270. Yeah, DJ it's, LeMayhew is a perennial 300 hitter, too. Exactly. So, like, I'm not just... There's just not offensive power right now to, like, try and come up with a with a run i mean the schedule's looking all right um you have a one game you finish with the white Sox, and you have like a one gamer with the angels three games um in the bronx versus boston three four games in the bronx versus minnesota three game or two games i'm sorry at atlanta and then four games at oakland that's gonna be tough yeah these teams, like we were talking about earlier, all have something to prove, and the Yankees just seem so sluggish right now that they're not going to prove it against these teams. It's and just it's very, very interesting to me. And to one of the league. other things that I think we should talk about is that, and or rather I feel like needs further emphasis, is that we don't know what these guys are going to be like with COVID, and the first guy I would point to in something like this is Cam Newton. I mean, he had a great start to the 2020 football season. And I'm not saying he would have performed at, you know, Mahomes or Russell Wilson level. I'm not even going to say he would have gotten us to the playoffs. But 
if Cam doesn't get COVID, I think he's a little bit better than what we saw towards the end of the 2020 National Football League season. You could compare, too, to um, there were interviews with, in the NBA, Jason Tatum yeah. and Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And how they were, after they got COVID, they were like, this conditioning that they've, they've tried to do now that they've had COVID is unbelievable. It's a whole new experience that they can barely breathe and get through games. So who knows what it's going to be like with baseball. Who knows, indeed. Well, the Seattle Manners, they are 62-55, and 55, good for third in the ALS, and as of right now, they're five games out of the second wildcard slot. However, Manners have a minus 48 run differential, which is worse than Cleveland. Detroit is also worse than the Colorado Rockies, the Washington Nationals, the Miami Marlins. So, two, three of the worst teams in baseball. So, this team excels in close games, but can that push them into the playoffs down the stretch? You can't have close games all the way through to get you to the playoffs. You just can't. That's not how a playoff team should be playing baseball. That's how a middle-of-the-road team should be playing baseball. Um, and that's true with any sport. You can't go in day in and day out and have these 3-3 three, three games at the, at the top of the ninth. You just you can't have those or these one zip games, right? Um, it's just not producing winning baseball. It it's it's just not the way to do it for a mentality standpoint. And I will mentality is the biggest thing in any sport ever, and that's I'll forever say that. Um, and this this is not good for the mentality of the Mariners having just. Close game after close game and, and barely scraping by. That's right. not a winning team. All right, so they're 62-55 and 55 right now. They have a game in a little bit against Toronto, and we're recording this Saturday night. So they've got two more with Toronto. But here is the kicker, and it might just blow you. 18 of their final 45 games are against Houston and Oakland. They've also got two more with the Toronto Blue Jays. They've got three with the Boston Red Sox. The Seattle Mariners are the most fraudulent team in baseball. They're the most fraudulent team in baseball. You can't, you can't have a worse run differential than Colorado or Miami, who's at the bottom of the worst division in baseball, and tell me that they're a legit team. Agreed. You just can't. So, this team has... No chance. And I think we can just leave it at that. I because the run differential stat tells everything. Yeah, I, it's it's all you need to know at this point. It's For real. For real. Um, so a little bit ago, we just talked about the team in the Bronx. Now we're going to move over to the team in Queens. The Mets added Javier Baez and Rich Hill at the deadline, but injuries to DeGrom and Lindor, as well as new prize Baez, have derailed them for now. They've held first place all year until now. They've been passed up by Philly and Atlanta with no return in sight as they're playing the Dodgers right now. I'm going to get a score update in a second. Uh, Liam, is it too late for the Mets to turn it around? All right. Well, the Dodgers and Mets are tied 1-1 to heading into the middle of the seventh inning, first of all. And second, so without question, in my humble opinion, Jacob DeGrom was the most valuable player of the National League until he went down injured. I mean, not only was he doing it at the mound, he was doing it at the dish. I mean, he was sitting over 400, I believe, and then he was putting on a 
show with an ERA under one for the majority of the regular season before his arm gave out. I mean, and he inevitably had to go to the injured list. I mean, he was the MVP, but best case scenario, he returns mid-September, and to be frank, I'm just not certain that happens right now. Look, this team is 59-56. and They have a run differential of minus 14. The only team in the NL East with a positive run differential, by the way, is the Atlanta Braves. And you look at this brutal portion of the schedule, they finish up their series with the Dodgers tomorrow night. Then they've got three out in San Francisco, four in L.A. against the Dodgers, then three more with the Giants in Queens. I think this is the portion of the schedule that ends the Mets season. I just don't think they can compete with the big guys, especially without Baez and DeGrom and Lindor, the latter of whom is not having a good season at all. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, there was a report 19 minutes ago from, uh, this is coming out from New York Daily News. Lindor is hoping to skip a rehab assignment once he's cleared for game action. That's How never that a good happen? idea. That's never a good idea. And it says the Mets are reportedly open to the idea. It's just not good management of their players um, for that standpoint. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not it. It's just not good for an organizational no. standpoint, right? No. And talking about that schedule portion, you have, you're finishing this series with the Dodgers, right? You have a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You have 11 games. 11 games against the top two, top three teams um, in, the, in the National League and in the MLB. It's just, this is going to destroy the Mets for the rest of the season. Oh, no yeah. one even cares about September when you play all these jank teams, except for the Phillies, the Red Sox. Oh, never mind. You actually have a, good, a terrible schedule in September. Um, you're playing, you may start with the Marlins and the Nationals a bunch of times, but Yankees, Cardinals, Phillies, Red Sox, Brewers. <laughs> yeah, the Mets have one of the least favorable schedules in Major League Baseball going forward, and that and what's coming up is ultimately going to be their undoing. We end our contender-pretender debate with the Cincinnati Reds. They've quietly been getting on San Diego for the second wildcard slot over the past two weeks. Castellanos and Winker have been mashing in the outfield all season. And Joey Votto, remember him, has rediscovered his vintage form as of late. Aiden, I would rather not see this offense in a one-game playoff. Can they keep it going? I mean, I think so. I think they can keep it going for now. They may, they had a pretty bad loss to my Phils today, you know, losing by five runs. Um, letting up two home runs is not great for the morale. Um, but, you know, I have a feeling that they can pull it off, um, at least with their schedule coming up. Cubs and Marlins, shout out the Brewers because you're going to lose all three. But then you play the Marlins again. Um Cardinals could be a fun series to watch. Reds-Cardinals could be a very fun series. Um, and then Tigers-Cubs, Cardinals again, Pirates, and then shout out the Dodgers, you're getting swept. Um, Pirates again, Nationals. You know, the schedule's on their side to keep it moving, and just, and they'll. I believe they'll, they're, they're not going to pass the Brewers. They're just not. Um so, you know, that wild card spot is looking looking pretty clear right now for the Reds. They're not going to pass the Brewers, but they are going to pass 
the San Diego Potters. I mean, you look at a team after this weekend series with Philadelphia, they've got three with Chicago, four with Miami. That's easy. Then you've got three in Milwaukee. That's going to be tough. And then you've got Miami again. St. Louis has underperformed greatly this season. Then you've got three with Detroit. Again, better team than we realized. Three in Chicago, three in St. Louis. But the kicker is, is that in the last three weeks of the regular season, they get nine games with the Pittsburgh Pirates and four games with the Washington Nationals. Thirteen easy, easy games. But other than that, you have three in L against the Dodgers and two in Chicago against the White Sox. So it's either really, really easy or really, really hard. So in my opinion, the Reds' destiny is in their own hands. And, I mean, this team had two starting outfitters in the All-Star game with Castellanos and Winker. Joey Votto's been on fire. They have the leader, leading candidate for NL Rookie of the Year in Jonathan India. Eugenio Suarez, the power bat, has had a rough go of things this year, hitting just 173. But they get him going, look out. And then Wade Miley has had a resurgence this year. He's their number one starter, had a no-hitter way back in, I want to say it was in April. It was either in April or May. Sonny Gray has had a bit of a resurgence as well. Castillo's still good. So, yeah, I think this team passes San Diego. Yeah, I, I do too, especially with what we talked about in San Diego's segment. The morale's low. The injuries are coming at the worst time they possibly could in baseball. Um, entering September is a really important time for these, these wildcard teams. Um, and this is like the worst time to not be 100% healthy. Without, without question. Okay, time for the history lesson, boys and girls. Where we are on the great achievements of the past in the coming week. Five years ago today, August 14th, Usain Bolt had made history at the Rio Olympics. The Jamaican track star won the 100-meter dash with a time of 9.81 seconds. Whew! Becoming the first man to win the event three times. Shout out Tyreek Hill for trying to race him. <laughs> um, 13 years ago Monday, August 16th, Bolt again got the first of those 100-meter golds in Beijing with a time of 9.69 seconds, which set a world record. The current world record is 9.58 seconds, held by Bolt, and he set it at the 19... Uh, 2009. Yeah, I was going to say, this is really off. 2009 World Championships. I don't know why I put 1969 down. 54... Uh, by the way, uh, if that race does happen, betters, hammer Tyree Kill. I'm kidding. Hammered Usain Bolt. He would destroy him. Well, well... 54 years ago, Wednesday, August 18th, one of the most infamous games in Boston baseball history took place. Young catcher Tony Canigliera had already compiled 104 career home runs by 1967 at the crisp age of 22. Unfortunately, on that fateful day, he took a fastball to the face from Angels pitcher Jack Hamilton that affected his career dramatically. He missed the entirety of 1968, then played three more seasons before stepping away. He attempted a comeback in 75, but his eyesight had been derailed forever. He did miraculously, though, hit 36 home runs in 1970, but this, without question, is one of baseball's great what-ifs. Definitely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. 83 years ago, Friday, August 20th, which, you know, before my grandparents were even born, the, the late, great Lou Gehrig hit his 23rd and final Grand Slam for the Yankees in an 11-3 blowout over the Philadelphia A's. He has since been surpassed by A-Rod, who was 25. Garrick finished his career with 493 home runs in a time that it was incredibly difficult to hit dingers. He also had a career batting average of 340, an OPS of uh, a little over one, 
won six World Series titles in New York, and of course is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. One of the greatest of all time. OPS of 1080 to put things in perspective, and OPS over 800 is good. And I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't see A Rod legitimately anymore, so you might as well just give the crown to Garrick. The show is almost over, so it's time for who you got. First up, two National League teams working on getting better positioning square off as the Reds visit the Fighting Phils. Sonny Gray and Aaron Nola are on the mound. Aiden, 105 first pitch tomorrow. Who you got? I've got my Fighting Phils. Aaron Nola is looking absolutely great. Why to ask? Why to ask? <laughs> We're going to keep the, the morale and keep the, the uh, momentum going. Um, with this six to one lead today, we're looking really good, and I can easily pick my fills. Yeah, I really don't know why I asked. I should have known the answer to that question the entire time. Look, Sonny Gray, seventeen starts, four and six with a four forty. So he's got a little bit unlucky this season, in my opinion. But take a look. His last start, August tenth in Atlanta, five and eight, two earned runs. Start before that against Pittsburgh, five and eight, four earned runs. So, and July 30th, start before that in Queens against the Mets, six innings, one earned run. Start before that against the Cardinals, three and a third, eight earned runs. So, lately, Sonny Gray's been on a run of good start, bad start, good start, bad start, good start. He's in line for a bad start against the Phils, the hot Phils, by the way. Aaron Noll, like you said, has been on a tear as of late. I got the Phils in this one as well. Perfect. We'd love to see it. Next is an encore to Thursday's Field of Dreams game. Nestor Cortez toes the slab for the Yankees, who he will be opposed by Lucas Giolito of the White Sox. They'll get going for Chicago at 2-10 Sunday. Liam, who takes it? I mean, the White Sox are the best team in the American League. I got the White Sox. I think they end up winning tonight. I think they sweep the series. You know, I shouldn't have even asked that, too, because the White Sox, I agree, are one of the best teams in, in the American League, and the Yankees are not looking great as of late. So let's go with the White Sox. All right, well, last one. Sunday Night Baseball sees Max Scherzer and the Dodgers visit the Mets, and Carlos Carrasco, who will make his fourth, fourth start of the season, 7-8 first pitch Sunday. Aiden, don't tell me the Mets can pull off a shocker. There is no way the no Mets chance. pull off a shocker. No chance. There is no chance whatsoever. It's just, it's just not happening. It's I, just, it can't. I agree. I've got, I've got the Dodgers blowing this one out. Yeah, pretty easy call on that one. <laughs> That's an easy call. All right, folks, that's all we have today. I'm Aiden Levin. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure as well. I'm Liam Griffin. Thanks again, Aiden, for being my guest today. And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on IG at Full Court Press Podcast and on Twitter at Full CP Podcast, F-U-L-L-C-P Podcast. And if you're interested in me, yes, you know what to do. DM the podcast, get in touch with me. We'll make it happen. Stay healthy, wash your hands, be safe, be positive, and get that shot. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.